Look at that. Contend for the faith. I want you to understand. Contend is a strong word. It's a strong word. It carries with it some intensity, some focus, laser-like focus. Church, I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to start uh, through a teaching tonight uh, based out of Jude chapter 1. Obviously it's chapter 1, but Jude indicates that he was intending to write about a certain issue, but then something happened that changed his mind. And he ended up writing about something else. And that's what we're going to deal with in this particular part of the teaching as we go through Jude. Now, we're probably going to be here for several weeks. So I encourage you to get your Bibles out to keep them handy to follow through. It's amazing how this little book of Jude speaks to the situation, the circumstances where we are as a church body even today. I want to read one verse in your hearing. We're going to jump right on into this. It's kind of a, a long segment, actually, so we're going to try to get as much of it before you as we possibly can. Jude chapter 1, look at verse 3. Actually, the latter part of the verse puts it this way. I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. And there's the title of this teaching, to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And we're going to get into that with you. Before I pray, let me encourage you to find, if you're watching uh, this uh, teaching on YouTube or some form of social media, let me encourage you to find that uh, little icon down there in the bottom corner. Hover over that until the subscribe button comes up and subscribe to our channel. It would be very, very helpful to us or to like these uh, presentations. In particular, if you're listening online, uh, share these, encourage others to listen. It would be very helpful to us. Father God, I thank you so much for your, this opportunity that we have to come before everyone that's listening right now by whatever means, whether it's television, uh, whether it's uh, on social media, whether this is live or a repeat, I pray that by your word you would speak to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you and you be challenged to contend for the faith. Jew, the servant of Jesus Christ, writing this very special message to those who have been called by God the Father. And again, we talked to you about that last week, but Jude addresses these ones by a very endearing term. The New International Version translates the original akapetos, like agape, agape, uh, so, yeah, that. 
let me just go ahead and get this out of the way. Something is making a noise over here. Do you hear it? It's driving me nuts. We got that out of the way. Okay, we're good to go there. So maybe I won't be preoccupied by that now. Roses are red, violets are blue. There goes a butterfly. That pretty much describes Pastor Terry. But the New New International Version translates it as dear friends. Most of our English versions alternate between dear friends and actually what is the more accurate translation as beloved. I refer to you quite often as I'm preaching as beloved. How many of you know that's true? It is. Let me tell you why. The original word represents something very unique and something very special. Jude isn't just making a personal proclamation and claiming persons as his own special acquaintances. That's not what he's talking about. Rather, he's making a bold proclamation that embellishes the theme of the first couple of sentences of his message. That's why I wanted to back up and reread that for you this morning. Now, those of you that are new to New Life, you should have received some study notes when you come in. Fill those in with me. So fill in the blank. The answers will appear on the monitors before you. But what I want you to understand that Jude's When Jude talks about the friends here, when he talks about the beloved, what he is referring to is that this message, the letter we know is Jude, it is addressed to and delivered to the beloved of the Father. Not just his friends, but the beloved of the Father. The term, akapetos. You didn't think I could do that, did you? That term is reserved in the New Testament for two unique applications. Watch this. One of them should bless your socks off. But uh, first of all, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Messiah of God, was akapetos. He was the beloved beyond all others. But that isn't the end of it. Here's what really encourages me. Those that are secure in Christ, which is God's beloved, or by virtue of that relationship, also considered God's beloved. Are you following me? Jesus is God's beloved. Those who are in Christ are also God's beloved, divinely loved by the divine sovereign of glory. How cool is that, that the God of creation, through his son, Jesus Christ, considers those who are in Christ as beloved. I love that. In fact, I have in my notes, wow. Have you ever realized that if you say that word backwards, it's still wow. If you say it upside down, it's mom. But so, are you with me? I was until I started on that little tirade. Jude isn't just putting forth a personal, intimate sentiment about those that are closest to him. He is rather making a bold statement about a unique group of persons that are divinely loved ones. And I'm headed to number two on your study notes So just what is the message that is intended for these divinely loved ones? First of all, the servant of Jesus, that would be Jude, puts forth 
that he was very eager to write about the shared, or that is to say the common salvation, his salvation, and the other called ones. He was pretty excited to write about that, their shared common salvation. Now, how many of you know that the shared common salvation is a great theme for a good old bread and butter letter? Wouldn't it be? To write to your believing friends about your belief and, you know, dear, you, how are you doing? And just uh, how's mom and them and all. And, hey, can we just talk about our common salvation? That would be a great thing for a letter. I, too, love to talk about. I especially enjoy preaching about not only God's glorious plan of salvation in generic terms, but moreover, I say to you this morning, I can't think of any single thing that thrills me anymore than to be able to uh, proclaim before an audience of seekers, and I trust that you are seeking this morning, but I can't think of anything that thrills me anymore than talking about our personal, intimate, specific salvation experience. Understand what I'm saying? Not just talking about some generic plan, but rather a personal experience. In other words, I'm not just here this morning pontificating. Say amen right there. I hope not. Sounds terrible. I'm not just here pontificating about something that you could possibly experience someday out there at some point. But rather, I'm talking about some for sure thing that I hope and pray you have and are now experiencing. He said as a death-like silence fell across the auditorium. Are y'all really out there this morning? I hope that this preaching is for this group, not just the live stream group. Amen? Well, this would be a good place for me to stop and ask you this. Could you, whoever you are, whether you are here or there, could you, with integrity, join such a unique conversation? When the subject of Jesus comes up, in your workplace or your place of recreation or the neighborhood when you're out doing your little walkie thing? Are you able to join in that conversation and speak forth from a personal, experiential relationship about Jesus? What the original version calls koine, him on soterios. How you like that? And it just means the common of us salvation. That's deep. Are you able to engage and join in that conversation, or do you just have to stare blankly or emptily, if there's such a word as that, with that someday I'm going to be able to join in, look, hmm? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you don't have your Bible... It will magically appear on the screen before you. Listen to this. Paul says as he writes to the Corinthians, some Gentile, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Did you know you're in receipt of God's grace even this morning? 
God's grace is being poured out on you this morning. Paul's saying, don't receive that in vain. You've heard the old expression like water running off of a duck's back. Those feathers are made to shed water. But the beloved, we are not really made to shed the grace of God. He says, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Look at verse 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And if you're looking back at me this morning, whether you're here or there, wherever you may be, whether it's right now or when you loot this sometime later, on. Beloved, now is the time of salvation. Don't put it off. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm telling you what's a fact. If you live long enough, you're going to die. And your eternity is going to depend on what you do while you're still breathing. Are you with me? Now is the day of salvation. Let me tell you, I don't know about other church fellowships, but I can tell you about New Life Community Church because I'm the founding pastor. This church was started as a day one church in order to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ that hearts might be penetrated, the hearts of sinful people, so that they might be convicted and born again and come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior and serve Him and become a disciple and start that whole process all over again. That's what we're all about. Out. Now is a day of salvation. Bless God if the events of the last six months hasn't stirred you up and made you scratch your head and wonder what in the world's going along. How, how much longer can this world last? I'm telling you, it doesn't look like it's going to last much longer because if it keeps on, they're going to burn it down. Speaking of burning it down, at some point in time, God's going to burn it down. Where are you going to be when that happens? Whew, I come real close to getting stirred up right there. Let me settle down. We all know how diplomatic I am. I'm all the way up to number three on your study notes. Jude changes gears. He makes it clear that his intent was to write about Shared salvation. That's what he was wanting to talk about. But he writes that his divinely, or writes to these divinely loved ones, I must interrupt my intended message, hallelujah, with the following urgent announcement. Here's what I wanted to tell you guys, but Holy Spirit has impressed upon me this following urgent announcement. Look at the latter part of verse 3, Jude chapter 1. He says, I felt I had to write. You understand? Don't, don't lose that. I felt I had to write and urge you. You understand the difference between a suggestion and urging? Sometimes urge has got a little foot power to it. I felt that I had to write and urge you, look at this, to contend for the faith. Where have I heard that before? To contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Not old sinners, but saints. Is that what it says, church? Look at that. Contend for the faith. I want you to understand. 
Contend is a strong word. It's a strong word. It carries with it some intensity, some focus, laser-like focus, even some struggle to this extent. It, it even encompasses some skill and some commitment in forming arguments pertaining to that which may be opposed to it or is opposed to it. Now, I've spent hours praying over, going over this and going over this, and I've distilled a lot of research into this summary conclusion. I want you to listen. I didn't put this on your notes on purpose. You might want to write it on there. But here is the definition of contend. It is to fervently, vigorously fight for or agonize for. Listen, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. All of you need to know what I'm talking about. To fervently, vigorously fight for or agonize for. Go over to Paul's letter to Timothy. The first letter that he wrote, or as my daddy would say, the first letter that he writ. Chapter 6, that's the past tense I wrote, by the way. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 12, Paul said to young Timothy, and he was training Timothy in the ministry, and here's what he said to him. Fight the good fight of the faith. You just heard a series here not long ago about the good fight. Remember that? Look at this again. Fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. And then Paul says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were, you understand, he's not saying just stare at it. He said, take hold of it. Grip it. I told you there's some intensity involved in this. Take hold of that which you were called when you made the good confession before many witnesses. Beloved, let me move along here by saying this. Perhaps, just perhaps, just my uh, idea, Paul uh, wasn't just referring to his impaired vision in Galatians chapter 6 when he pointed out the fact that he was using large print. Go back and read that at some time. Galatians chapter 6 around verse 11. It may have been that he was using bold print and a larger font in order to add impact to the gravity of the truth that he was expressing. That's what I do. If you'd see my notes, you'd see all kinds of things. A lot of what you hear is not in there, but a lot of it is. And when it's bold printed and made bigger, that means it's important. It's important. With poster-sized letters, Paul was proclaiming, hey, y'all, this is important. Hey, let me see your eyeballs just a sec. Do you have anything important to do today? Not any of it will be more important than what's happening right now. Not any of it. This is important. When I come across passages like these we're looking at, I'm compelled to give pause and ask myself. It's number four on your notes. There's nothing to fill in. It's just a question I wanted to put before you. Why? Why? Why did Jesus' servant Jude sense 
such an urgency about defending his faith and urging us all to do the same. Now watch this. He's not just talking to Pastor Terry here. He's not just talking to your elders, Brother Jones and Brother Kell here. He's not just talking to their lovely wives. He's talking to the church, the body of Christ. You'll be glad to know he tells us why. Verse 4 of Jude chapter 1. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Church, let me quickly point out to you the servant Jude doesn't write that this concerns, that this particular indictment concerns all men, but rather certain men, this indictment. It concerns certain men. Whatever verdict Jude is about to hand down has an intended target. So I have to ask myself, because this concerns me, I'm like, dude, is he talking about me? Just who is, who are these certain, specific, targeted men? Fill in number five. Once you complete this, you'll know who they are. Whoever they are, they have secretly slipped in. Secretly slipped in. Watch this. They didn't have a ticket. They didn't have a reservation. They didn't come in the front door by the ushers. They secretly slipped in through the back door some way or another. Watch this. The original language makes this real clear that they come in by stealth. This is on purpose. In other words, they're under pretense. Again, coming in by a side door. A side door. I think there's a whole sermon about side doors. Maybe we'll preach that to you one of these days. I'm just telling you that ahead of time so all of you will come in and out the right door between now and then. All righty? Suffice it to say, they've secretly slipped in. Watch this. The average worshiper today would consider them an average worshiper today. Wearing the same things they have on. Sitting on the same comfy chairs they're sitting on. Benefiting from the same colorful lights, glorious tones emanating forth from the worship team. They would appear as your average worshiper. Watch this. But they're not. They're not the average worshiper. They are fakes. They're fakes. They are pretending to be Jesus chasers, but in reality, they oppose the faith. Well, Pastor Terry, I'll tell you what, man. If you'll give me the names of those dudes, we'll just kick them right on out of here. Tell me, who are they? Isn't it interesting that Jude doesn't give us the name? Instead, he presents this specific, descriptive, spiritual characteristics, if you please, 
that defines their attitudes and their actions. That methodology transcends the period and the people of Judas' time, which is supernaturally ingenious. Well, beloved, we're going to cut it off right there, but we've introduced to you tonight that what you're going to hear a lot about over the next several weeks. I call them the secret slippers society. Let me reiterate to you that the average worshiper in the average church today would consider these persons the average worshiper, but they're not. They're fakes. They claim to be chasing Jesus, but they're not. They're actually alienating people from chasing Jesus and preventing people from chasing Jesus, and in their real lives, they're not chasing Jesus at all. They're just religious persons. Our world today is overrun by religious persons. I have people tell me all the time, uh, one thing or the other, that they, are, they either are religious or they aren't very religious. I like it when people tell me they aren't very religious because religion can be dangerous. And we're going to get into some more of that as we go through this teaching. But let me just uh, leave you with this uh, for this particular segment. Are you chasing after Jesus? You know, only you know the answer to that question. Actually, you don't because your fruit will betray you if you are not. Are you chasing after Jesus? Are you reading and studying God's precious Word, the Bible, and allowing that to change you from the inside out? Are you really chasing after Jesus? There's this thing that's introduced in John chapter 3. It's called the born-again experience. Have you been born again? Now, that's not just something that's on a poster that we see at uh, football games, back when people could attend football games. But there's a reality to being born again. You confess your sins, repent of your sins, open up your heart's door, and invite Jesus to come in to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to lead, guide, and direct by Holy Spirit. Is that your experience? If not, it can be. I trust that it is. If it is, I want to be an encouragement to you to keep reading the Word, keep digging, Keep doing the things of God, in particular in this day and age. Father, I thank you for each one that's listened in, and I pray by your word that you would speak to hearts. God, enable us to be about your business. And I pray for that one out there that's listening right now that has never been born again. I pray that right now would be the time, that today would be the day of their salvation as they confess their sins, repent of their sins, open up their heart's door and say, Jesus, Come in, cleanse me of my sins, fill me with Holy Spirit, enable me to, to live after you and to pursue the things of God all the rest of the days of my life. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before I check out of here, I do want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Wednesday night, our family ministries night begins at 7-something for Pert near every member of the family. Once again, if you're listening online, there's a little uh, icon there in the, the lower corner of the screen. If you'd hover over that, the subscribe button will come up, and we encourage you to click on that. Like uh, what you see. Uh, be uh, encouraged to share the program 
for those of you that are listening online. We sure would appreciate that. It'd be a big help uh, toward our getting the gospel out to as many as possible. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. Thank you so much for being here with us. Trust you're going to have a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back for you?